fan films. How are they made? Today we're going to explore the wonderful world of fan films with the Living in Crime Alley's writer and director, Rob Ayling. So sit back and enjoy this special fan films edition of Small Screen Stories. Hello and welcome back to Small Screen Stories. This is the podcast where I usually go through all the news of the week in the world of entertainment and pop culture, and I also review some stuff every now and then. But this week is going to be slightly different, because this week I welcome filmmaker Rob Ayling to the show to talk about his new Batman fan film, Living in Crime Alley, which you can find on YouTube right now. He's also going to talk in this interview about fan films in general and how to make them. Living in Crime Alley is a wonderful film and I wanted to get the chance to speak to the man behind it and really understand what goes into making a fan film. So, without further ado, here's the conversation I had with the very talented Rob Ayling. So, hello Rob, how are you first off? I'm very well, um, Ed, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. So, uh, let me start off by saying that you are the director of a Batman fan film called Living in Crime Alley which I actually watched originally a couple months ago. I think back in January was the first time I watched it. And uh, I remember thinking this is probably the most kind of almost not, not down to earth is a bit, a bit of a diff, not really the right way to describe it, but um, it's just like a, a different take on a Batman story. Would that be right to say? I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, in a way, I feel like I'm cheating the audience slightly because I, I say this quite often now, but it is it is a Batman film, but it's not really a Batman film. So I, yeah. I do know what you mean, though. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. I'm just cheating. I'm, I'm <laughs> cheating. I'm massively cheating here. So it's, it's a Batman film in which Batman is not the main character. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. a yeah. So basically, I, I wanted after watching it, I wrote about it yesterday on the site, and um, the article actually did quite well. And people, people really got into it, and it seems as though uh, there are there's kind of almost like a fan film community out there. And um, I wanted to know what it was like. First off, where did this idea come from, and how did it all start for you? Um, so initially, Living in Crime Alley started uh, in 2017. Um, so around that time when I started writing, I had just gone um through a difficult uh process of being made redundant from work mm. and um for those who've seen the film the film is about um struggling uh to live uh in um essentially poverty or in difficult financial circumstances so with the character of the father he's trying to bring up um his child in a city which has no hope and at the time, I was living in uh, London, where I grew up, which was in, in Leytonstone, mm-hmm. which um, I don't know if you know London too well, but um, Leytonstone is not the most, how do I put this politely, uh, well, well-kept well places, put it that yeah. way. I mean, even though it has this amazing history of, you know, like Alfred Hitchcock uh, being grown up, being born there and growing up to be this legendary filmmaker as he is now. Yeah. Um, and it's I, I kind of saw the parallels between what I was going through at the time to kind of the world of Batman. And uh, eventually I just started writing what I knew at the time, which was one being financially poor and uh, di- living in difficult circumstances. So I decided to um, bring that into a script. And then to be honest with you, I was just kind of looking around the room 
and suddenly I just realized, well, what would happen if this was set in Gotham and, you know, Batman had turned up and, you know, how would he deal with this situation as it were? And um, that's where it really all began. And eventually I, I finished the script. I sent it to a fan fiction festival. It won a prize there, which was great. And then it happened to uh, been showcased um, in front of somebody who had worked at DC and Marvel. And the mm. guy said to me, well, um, this is really good. You know, what are, you, what are your plans for it? I said, well, could we try and, you know, do like a one-off issue with it? He was like, I can't do that. I was like, fair enough. <laughs> I thought I was pulling my, yeah. pulling my luck there anyway. Uh, but then he said, he said to me, why don't you try and do making a fan film of this? And, you know, at the time, again, I wasn't, in the best state financially. And I just thought, ah, that's a lot of money to go through that process and everything. But then I just thought, I think deep down, I just thought that's a really crazy idea. You know, just the, the process of making a Batman film, you know, that the, the idea of it, first of all, again, coming back to the whole money thing, I think that was one of the driving forces of why I didn't want to do it. But then I think a lot of it was just down to being, kind of afraid to do it um yeah and then eventually two years later um uh, sorry i say two years later uh, back in december of 2018 i finally realized that it was the right project to do because so many people kept saying to me rob you're an idiot why aren't you making this film mm. you know it's a great script you know just just go for it you, you know what's the worst that can happen and they were absolutely right and you know funny enough one of the people that was um, saying to me, you should make this film was the lead actor in the film who discovered the script online and read the script and said to me, you know, um, if you decide to make this into a film, I'd love to audition um, for the character. And I, this was back in January of 2018. And I said to him, no, I'm not going to do it anyway. But he said, well, that's a shame. And then coming to December, I then finally told him, actually, I'm planning on making this film and I'd love for you to audition and then a whole other year in for, throughout 2019, I was making the film, you know, getting the budget together, the funding. Yeah. And December 2019, we released the film um, in around the time of uh, Batman Day and it's, you know, 80th anniversary because the character has been around for so long. It just it seemed to be... It, it was also it was very much a natural coincidence that we were releasing the film of the year of you know its 80th birthday so it just kind of seemed to be like the right place at the right time so yeah it's a happy coincidence yes absolutely yeah. and uh, about funding because i i noticed you do have an indiegogo page for it mm. but it, it didn't quite did it reach its goal in the end or it didn't re- it didn't reach its goal but we weren't like say too too much off i mean i knew yeah. deep down i had um i could get the funds elsewhere just by saving up but i thought yeah. bringing the fans and the community together to to help bring this film to life would just be a, an amazing story to tell within that and to be honest with you i'm i feel uh blessed to be to be given the money that I, you know, that we got really, because, yeah. you know, 1500 pounds to me is still quite a lot of money. Um, to some people it might be pocket change, but for me, that is a lot of money. And yeah. I, I felt very blessed with that, to be honest with you. And I just was very grateful to, I think over 70, I think it was 77 people that donated to the film. Mm. And I, I thought, you know, that's still amazing enough to have that kind of level of support there because, you know, as indie filmmakers, you you want the audience to 
uh, give back to the fil- the filmmaking process as much as they can. And you know, yeah. I, I just I was very you know blessed with that to be honest with you. And as I said, just it was just through. I should mention right now that I'm still I'm uh, financially okay now. I managed to get myself yeah. a, a better job, yes. get into get into an agency, and do what I do uh, do what I love to do for a living, which is being a film yeah. director. So I get to um, make films uh, for a living, and that's how I managed to get the rest of the money, which was just through savings through that uh, job. It's interesting that you mentioned wanting to to make it basically a you know a, a, almost like a, a comic basically no is that, is that what you, you said before trying to talk to someone at dc about maybe getting this made into um, some sort of comic or a... well i i just thought because the fan f- uh fiction festival said that this would be good enough and that the, the the person that had given me the feedback um was one of the judges and who had happened to be the, the person from d uh, who was um working at DC and Marvel yeah. who had worked, sorry, I should say. Um, and they, they had said, you know, this would be a great, you know, one-off issue for the character because it fits in the world so well. And it's it so, does. Yeah. It, it's so different. And um, I just thought, you know, maybe that was just the natural route to go. Um, so do you think there's a, a way of maybe doing that in the future with living crime alley? I think definitely. So, I mean, I'm, I never say never. Um, so if there's an opportunity where somebody says to me, you know, Rob, would you like this to be adapted? I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. And funny enough, since the film's release, you know, I've had people, which I think is incredibly flattering, of course, um, (laughs) you know, writing sequels to this, which is very, very, you know, kind of surreal, but bizarre as well, because ultimately, and I imagine this is something that's going to come up. This isn't my character. But it's mm. this universe, this world uh, that I've created, or as I like to say, my Gotham that I've created with this um, script and this story. And people are writing to me with their own, you know, ideas for sequels. And and again, I find that very flattering. And, you know, the possibilities are open. So if someone were to say to me, let's do an adaptation, bring this to a comic thing. Absolutely. I would absolutely love that. And uh Yeah. I really do think there's get their scope for that, and um, it's. I was I was going to ask you about maybe even a sequel, as in a film sequel. Is that is that something that you that you would be interested in doing? As in a a sequel, like another fan film, another Batman fan film. Oh, I'd definitely be open to another Batman fan film. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, people have said to me already. You know, have you got any ideas? And I'm always thinking of ideas for this character and this and this world as well as, you know, other short films and other projects down, down that line. But um, in regards to Batman and another fan f- film, absolutely. And I think for me right now, it's it's a matter of if I can see, if I can find a story which can organically relate to the events of the first, well, this, this story, absolutely. But even if, if it doesn't, then that's perfectly fine as well. You know, I, I think first and foremost, it's what's the connection do I have to the story um, first and, and foremost? It's, you know, what's the personal engagement do I have with it? What's the level of research I can go into it, even if I don't have that personal engagement with it? And, you know, see what kind of truth I can bring out from there. Because that's ultimately what I strive for is th- a believable truth that I can bring to this yeah. world. 
and you really do feel that watching it. It's, I think I've watched a lot of Batman fan films. I've watched a lot of Batman films and I've, I'm a massive fan of the character in general. And um, this definitely stands out as the most um, grounded Batman story I've ever read. And um, I think that's testament to you and, uh, and what you've achieved with the movie. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I mean, I, w- I will say, though, is that, you know, I I am nothing without the team. And yeah. I will say, like, I would say 90% of this film is down to the cast because it's all well and good having a really good script. Because, I mean, they say you should never go out and shoot something if you've got, a you know, an, a, just an OK script or even a bad script because you can't. I don't want to say it, but like you can't polish something that's bad, you know, and yes, no. um, there's another phrase which I won't say. But um, <laughs> the um, but when the actors came in, to me, they lifted the material even further than, and better ex- than my expectations. And I think part of that comes down to them being fans, because every single person that worked on the film was a fan. They're not only film fans, they're fans of the character in this world. And, you know, Vincent is very much a fan, well, a comics fan, first of all, but also a huge fan of this world as well. And he knew straight away that this was a side of this world that hadn't been explored enough, really. And and it was the same with Danny, who... uh, was very fortunate enough to suit up in as as uh, as Batman and he even said to for him it was the fact that he could say the sentence I am Batman which you know is yeah, you know for 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 an actor is you know quite rare so I, I just I would like to mention the cast so it's Vincent Jerome plays the father yes that's right Dan, Danny Chase plays Batman yeah and uh, Isabella Champ- Champagny Champ- Champagny yeah Champagne, okay. yeah. and she she's they're all brilliant i have to say that they're the three kind of main cast you also have uh alexandra metaxa is the that's DC right dispatcher yeah i've got this up on imdb at the moment <laughs> okay but it is um i have you have to say that it is yeah the cast is is really good and then the i the fact that i think this is the i i've never ever thought before whilst reading a batman comic or watching a batman uh, movie or playing a video game what about you know, what's the other side of this? You know, living in Crime Alley is the first time I've ever seen that. It's like that it's a different point of view. And uh, yeah, you are, you definitely are right. The the acting in this is fantastic. And it's something that kind of, I think it elevates it from, oddly enough, after having done like the best, I did an article of the, the best uh, fan films ever made. Right. I've had a lot of people come to me after that with their fan move, with their fan films. And it's been really interesting just seeing, First off, what people decide to do, you know, fan film wise, there's a lot of Batman stuff. (laughs) There's a lot of Batman stuff, but yours definitely um, stood out. And one of the reasons is because of the acting. It's kind of you can tell that these are these are actors that take their craft very, very seriously. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, um, I think for me, the most striking one, of course, as I mentioned with Vincent and Danny, but I think uh, for Bella, this is her first role yeah and she is a a, a natural in my opinion and i think she's gonna go even far you know uh, mm. even further with her career and um you know if she's acting like the way she is now but i can't wait to see what she does even further down the line and when people see the film they'll they'll realize it's it's quite a difficult role um yeah. i mean I, I will mention this one tale really quickly but 
when you have to when you when you hire an act uh, a child actor you have to go through lots of paperwork so child licensing agreements Yes. And one of the things that came out of this, so I had no idea you had to do this, but one of the, the things you have to do is uh, like, um, what are the psychological implications that could happen when you're making a film? And I've never thought I'd have to write down, well, the girl could be potentially traumatized because she's watching She's standing in front of a six foot guy in a bat suit. And I just thought, this is so bizarre. Like I'm writing this down as what are the psychological implications of affecting her when she's making this film and what what's going to happen after she's made this film, you know, and, mm. and I won't go into the rest of the detail of it because it would spoil the film, but something dramatic happens in the film, which could also, um, um, potentially affect her later down the line. But, and again, it was just very, uh, it's another process that I learned, uh, in the making of this. And, uh, yeah. You you have to be very careful when using child actors. It's it's difficult. There's also I think there's a, only a certain amount of time they can they can work during the day. Is that right as well? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And what, what's you you mentioned this slightly before, but what, what's it actually like the process of having to of getting to make a film with with a character in it like Batman? What's the le- what are the legal kind of ramifications of that? So the most important thing, first and foremost, is that you have to mention that it's a non-profit um, film. Yeah. Um, and th- in every single document, in every single website, link, you name it, every single piece of document, you have to mention that it's a non-profit. So any competition that you submit to, any festival you submit to, um, if they allow fan films, first of all, because they are niche. Hmm. Um if there is a cash prize, you cannot accept it. Either you cannot accept it or they give it to you and you do something else with it. So um, that's only happened to me twice already. And mm. uh, what I've done is immediately donated it to charities. So one of them was um, Cancer Research UK and the other was Medicinema, okay. which uh, helps oh, provide... Um, are, are you aware of Medicinema? The, uh, I am, yes. Yeah, yes. so... Yeah, I think it's a wonderful charity as well. Yeah, it is. It is a good charity. Well, that I've, that's something I've always thought about. I, I I've never made a fan film myself. I've only ever watched them. I have been in a in in one uh, short film though. <laughs> oh yeah, what was that? <laughs> it's uh, a, sh- a short film that a friend of mine made. He actually made it in our in our house. Okay. And, um, yeah, it's very very. It's a similar process to you. You know, he wrote a script and uh, and he, he got it funded through Indiegogo and. Um, I, he he was saying the same. It's, it's incredible to see the the amount of um, interest you get in the audience. You know, putting their own money in it is 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 it's a different way to make films, and I think it's a really interesting way to make films. And um, I can, it's it's not easy. You know, having having been in it myself, having been in that environment myself, it's not an easy thing to get a film made. And just the mere fact that a film gets made is just a mini miracle. So. Yeah, I, can, I have nothing but respect for you guys. No, I, I, I completely agree, and and thank you. But I mean, I think even more so without going too deep into this. I think even more so now with what's going on, yeah, with current society. I think we're going to see more and more um, projects being funded on crowdfunding campaigns because, with as I said, it's going to be a bit of a struggle for some time. Um, yeah. You know, some people will probably be able to save. Um, you know, some of the bigger companies like Netflix and Amazon Prime, and actually you know some people have said to me um you know what are the other reasonings for making a fan film or making a film like this which is just going to go online straight away 
and it is accessibility you know and i think right now with you know things like crowdfunding campaigns that's all that audiences want they want to see new content they want better content and you know a lot of the big superhero projects or you know sci-fi fantasy projects are good of course but a lot of the others um are not so good you know and i won't delve into the certain projects but you know there are certain films out there which didn't quite hit the mark and they don't understand the material that's been made and that's where the beauty of fan films comes in because ultimately it's first and foremost a pure love and respect of the material and then secondly it's um the audience having their say it's um it's a very unique way of um, being able to give back to the, almost to the industry and to the creators that have, you know, put their work out there. But also, you know, the other way, the flip side of it is, you know, we don't have the rights, obviously, but when the companies do have those rights, they ultimately should be fans. So when we talk about the definition of fan films, I personally would like to see the film as as a film which happens to be a fan film and which is why i said earlier at the very beginning i feel like i'm cheating in a lot of ways because you know yes it's a batman film but it's more so a a a straightforward drama which happens to have batman in it and that's often that's often the the area where you tend to see kind of comic book movies come to life if you look at i suppose joker you could say Mm. it's kind of that's a a slightly bizarre comic book movie in the sense that it's actually really just a dramatization of a, you know involving the joker yeah <laughs> absolutely um i mean yeah. i think the um the best critique i saw of joker was it was a love letter to martin scorsese movies yeah. which happened to have the joker in it yeah so it definitely it definitely is and you you, you said you sense um, there's a similar kind of aspect to your film as well. It's you definitely you can definitely tell that you love the Batman character, but there's also a love of other other sorts of cinema in there as well. Mm. Oh yeah, no, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and what what about the, there's there's a lot written. I, I found it very interesting that this is actually um, is 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 it um, Bristol? Are you? Yes, that's it? right. Yeah. yeah. So kind of the first time Bristol I think's ever doubled up as Gotham. Which is, uh, I think, a nice little, <laughs> a nice little fact about this movie. I think it's uh, for me, it's a unique selling point. Um, I've yeah. always found Bristol to be a very cinematic city. Um, it's got very gothic, uh, well, churches and buildings yeah. and beautiful architecture all round. And um, as much as because I, uh, I'm from London, I grew up in East London, uh, but I also uh, live in Bristol, mm-hmm. um, and I studied there, and I um have always wanted to film something very dramatic in the city but haven't really been given the chance to so when this project came around i thought what a unique opportunity to actually not film in london where you know the dark knight trilogy um i think even the 89 film was shot in london i knew it was some yeah, shot yeah. in um is elstree i think it might have been elstree i think i think some of it was yeah yeah um and i just thought what a different um palette as it were to to bring gotham into uh bristol and yeah i think for me it it works uh magnificently so no it really does work it, it really really does work and then the, the other thing in the in the movie that i liked uh, was the fact that you were talking of the 90 the 1989 batman movie is is the the suit batman is wearing in your fan film in mm. primarily is it 
based on the 1989 Batman suit? Um, so, uh, yes and no. <laughs> um, so, again, this is a happy coincidence again. So, uh, t- 2019 was the 80th year of the character's um, existence, but it also yes. happened to be the 30th anniversary of the 89 uh, Michael Keaton film. Mm-hmm. And I took a very big risk in actually designing the suit so i had designs in mind of what i would want my own kind of bat suit to be but then when you start looking at the costs and everything you go okay so this is why they they uh, put more budget towards this particular section um because it means getting it properly fitted and you know done in with you know like um full latex rubber and like the whole suit i mean being in full latex rubber and so what we ended up doing was um, going with a very traditional look, which, of course, is the 89 Batman suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the cowl, at least, and the cape. Um, but the the actual suit, the, 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 the chest piece and the, the bottoms are actually designed by Hero Forge Studios. And okay. um, they are basically cosplay um, costume designers who um, fitted this suit together. So they took the measurements of the actor. So apart from the cow, which was uh, made and designed by the Tiger Stone Effects Studios, um, mm-hmm. again, UK-based, all of this is UK-based. And um, that was the only thing that was not fitted was the cow. So that's the one piece of the costume I didn't have any control over, really, because of just a pure, simply for the budget. So again, a happy accident, but a great accident nonetheless. And then the one big factor within the costume, which I thought was a really, so two things, um, really unique kind of thing we haven't seen on screen is the classic, uh, classic um, animated television series color scheme on the suit. Yes. So you can't quite see it with the cape as such, but the inside lining is uh, is is blue. It's oh, a, it's okay. actually blue, and then you've got the grey uh, suit all round, yellow emblem. Yeah. Uh, but one other thing which I did uh, to pay uh, homage to the the late great Adam West is to actually design the emblem using his classic emblem from the sixties show. So oh, when you when you look back at the film. It's actually his emblem, but all it is, it's just pointier. It, it's it's yeah. literally so the the ears are sharper, the wings are sharper, but the whole entire curve, the layout, everything is uh, Adam West's emblem. And I just thought, what better way to uh, acknowledge his, you know, his um, legacy by having his emblem being the, the the kind of heart, as it were, on our our Batman. Oh, that's nice. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of a mixture of uh, a love letter to all different Batman. Exactly. Is... Well, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. The only uh, problem we did have, which um, you probably could tell within the film, was almost the practicality of it, which, again, is mm. a nice throwback to the um, the 89 film. But one of the things I really wanted to do was bring that kind of idea of flexibility to the character. But um, so something which was in the Dark Knight trilogy, but I don't think kind of worked so much because he had to end up turning his whole body rather than his head. So, but that's, you know, that's one of the risks we, we took when making the film. And ultimately um, I think it does pay off because I think one of the things I love in this, in the film 
was the very small action sequence that we have, but it looks so over the top on set when he's throwing his arm, but it looks like a very dramatic punch. And I, I just always found that very uh, amusing because it's you see that in the classic 89 film and to see it being kind of replicated now in this film is bizarre, but also uh, real, if you know yeah. what I mean. No, no, I do. And it, it really does come off. Like it comes across when, when watching it. I think I, I would go as far as to say, I mean, as I mentioned before, I've watched a lot of, um, especially recently, a lot of uh, Batman fan films. And the, 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 the suit in your Batman fan film is by far and away, and away the best one I've seen. And that, that includes, um, I don't know if you've watched uh, Batman Dead End. Uh, uh, yes, I have. That's the one with yeah. uh, the Predator and the Alien. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, that, that yeah, that's a... Uh... Yes, yes, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it re- yours really does stand out to me, and 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 just hearing what the amount of detail you went into to make that suit, it it does pay off, I think, at the end, definitely. And um, I suppose finally, I was I was kind of interested in knowing about kind of your knowledge of fan fan films in general, and uh, which ones you think are are worth watching, and people f- might be considered the best fan films of all time. Including yours, of course. Oh, of course. <laughs> so modest. Um, I will say that... Um, so I um, I should mention that I read your article and I was impressed with the list of the, the fan films that you mentioned. And I would... Yeah. I mean, we talk about many Batman fan films out there. There's so many Star Wars fan films out there. Yeah, there's a lot of Star Wars. There's a lot of Star Wars fan films out there. And... Um, Funny enough, I think even now Lucasfilm have now dedicated um, their time to do fan film awards just for those Star Wars films. Um, so there's an audience there for them. And, you know, it's it's remarkable to see a lot of people now being able to take the technology and actually have access to, you know, the technology and actually being able to create these Hollywood, mini Hollywood blockbusters in, yeah. in their own homes and their own you know, cities in their own landscapes. And I think that's remarkable. And, you know, I am now part of that, that legacy as it were. So that's, that's really nice. Um, But I think if I'm to recommend um, some fan films right now, I would definitely recommend the Darth Maul one that was listed in yours. I thought that was, I remember watching that and thinking, you know, that it's the, it's a step up, you know, there's, you know, if, if they ever watched, if any of the Lucasfilm, you know, or even George Lucas, if they ever watched the fan films out there, there was the, that would be the one that I would recommend the most is because I just thought first and foremost, the, the attention to detail on Darth Maul himself is extraordinary. I think the choreography is wonderful, probably some of the best we've seen in, and I hate to say it because I did like the rise of Skywalker, but I didn't love it. I, it has problems, all right. It has problems, yeah. but you know the choreography in that fil- that fan film alone is so much better than what we've seen in the recent um, Star Wars trilogy, and that's a that's a, h- a harsh thing to say, probably. But I ju- I just th- I thought it was. Um, no, it really does stand out in Darth Maul. It's Darth Maul Apprentice. Is that's the, right. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That I have to say is I that's a, that was a, a long time coming. It was a long time in 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 the making. I think they and there was a lot of money behind that as well. And you, can, mm. you can tell, and it, it's there, there. There was that, and then there was also I don't know if you watched Shards of the Past, which was done by quite a famous YouTuber. 
and that that was that was really kind of Darth Vader centric. Oh so yes, it, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's also in the list, and that, that I, I suppose one of the reasons why I like yours so much is because you can kind of the, these fan films, these that you can tell that there's a lot of money behind them. And um, one of the one of the things that I like about about um, living in Crime Alley is that it's it, it it's so it's you've managed to do something very good with kind of limited resources, which just makes it even more impressive. And sometimes I know I, I listed like Darth Maul Apprentice and Shards of the Past in that best you know best fan films ever made list, but the the fact of the matter is that one of the reasons why they're uh, they're they're so good is because there's so much money behind them. And uh, where that that Darth Maul Apprentice had a pretty big budget. Actually, it's ver- you know almost basically a Hollywood movie. The amount of, uh, amount of money they spent on it, which is you know it, it does show. I think it does show. Oh no, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I first and foremost, I mean, I think the heart of it has to be a good story. It can't yeah. just be. I think that's one of the tropes because I think if uh, if I'm to open this this question very quickly, just this idea of what people assume fan films to be, you know, a mm. lot of people assume to be very low budget, you know, cheaply made, you know, not very good uh, production value and everything else. And I, for me, I would, I, I, I think I've challenged that expectation of that. And I'm, yeah. I think yeah. um, not just the Darth Moore apprentice film, but I think the, the other example I um to mention is the uncharted one by with yeah. with nathan it's nathan fillion isn't it yeah uh, yeah, yeah. I, I i mean again yeah lots of money towards that one of course but i mean in that is it's a grounded story yeah and um in any production you go into you all you fundamentally want to tell some uh, a good story or have a story that you have something to say and yeah um that for me is crucial within all of it. And I think a lot of people, when they go into fan films, uh, they think it's about just doing really cool scenes from their, you know, from other films or even, you know, that they imagined. And that's just all that will happen. You know, that's all that Mm. they need, you know, but I think there's more to it than that. Yeah, no, definitely there is. And it's, um, it's, it's an area of, uh, of cinema that I, I really love because you're right, you, you get to see people's creativity, you get to watch, um, watch movies that probably wouldn't get made in Hollywood, you know, because let's, let's be honest, um, I don't think, you know, I don't think Hollywood's ever going to cast Nathan Fillion as, 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 uh, as Nathan Drake. Yeah, that's right. I mean, but, sadly, that, I mean, not sadly, but like, it's, it's another, it's another multiverse, as it were. Yeah, you know, yeah, I definitely. mean, because uh, they've now got Tom Holland um, as Nathan Drake, which is a very interesting casting choice, I have to say. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have gone for the younger approach. I probably would have yeah. gone for the Nathan Fillion approach personally. But um, but that's, again, that's the beauty of the fan films thing. It's like an al- almost yeah. multiverse of it all. I mean, someone asked me recently, um, what, what would I like to have the legacy of uh, Living in Crime Alley to be? And I ultimately would love it if DC were to come up to us and say, look, we're going to do, which is what I think they should be doing right now, DC, which is making black label films like they are with their comics. They're doing black label comics where they're doing, you know, extended universes where they don't have to intertwine. They can just be their own thing. So, you know, you can have the Dark Knight's metal series. You can have the White Knight um, saga. You can have all of these different stories by these amazing writers and 
it, I think they should be doing the same with the films. Um, yeah. Because Marvel Entertainment is is its own thing. The MCU is its own interconnecting thing, and to try and replicate that is is a difficult factor. And that's we've seen that already with DC to be a difficult thing. And yeah. so I think what they should be doing, and I would love to be part of that legacy, is to have DC label films where you have creatives, you have directors, writers, actors, whoever, creating their own stories to kind of build upon the world that has already been set up. And I think for me, Joker is a good starting point for that because, you know, it's not connected to the other DC movies at all yet. I mean, yeah. they can still change their mind. Um, but... I think it would be amazing if they started this trend of just going back to what was key in the first place, which is good old fashioned storytelling, taking yeah. the characters who they are and just telling their own spin on them. You know, and again, we saw the amazing success with Joker and not to blow my own trumpet, but I think, you know, with living in crime alley, it is different. It is um, a different side to this world that we haven't seen before. And all I've done is I've grounded it in reality. We, we're so yeah. used to seeing um, this story being told above buildings in the sky, you know, the rich taking on um, the more flamboyant, richer characters like, you know, Joker, Two-Face. And yet here we have the rich taking on the poor. Yeah. And that's that's the simple concept of that. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think um, Warner Brothers is is starting to edge maybe more towards that. We're seeing, you know, the Matt Reeves movie. Who knows Batman movie? Who knows whether that's going to be related to another DC Comics movie or not? But it's looking like it's not going to be. Which I kind of hope it is. I hope it remains that. I hope it just remains its own thing, and that they don't <laughs> somehow link it to the Joker film or you know something like that. And um, I think you're right. I think bringing in uh, some more interesting filmmakers, some original ideas, and um, films that aren't interlinked. Because making, I mean, we've all seen, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't think is ever going to be replicated again. Really, it's just so hard to do, and it's so time consuming. And I don't really think people have the patience anymore. No, I don't. I, I I don't think they have the patience for it. And you know, I think if we've seen examples already where they've just rushed into it, you know, yeah. you can't just. It's, it's what I said before, you can't just um, have a, a a bad script and go off and polish it, you know, it's just not no. going to work, you know, and um, and as this is obviously a compliment, but audiences are getting smarter, yeah. you know, they understand yeah. the process even more. We've had cinema for over 100 years now, so, you know, it's it's going to, you know, people are going to understand the tropes a bit more. You know, and yeah. and it amazes me because someone recently said to me, "You should go and watch some films from the nineteen fifties um, and sixties because the sound design isn't as good as what we're expected to hear now." And yet they win Academy Awards for this. And and I look at them and I just think, look, they're of their time. We can't nitpick yeah. like things like that, you know. And uh, and it's the same with technology because you know, for me, I still love the original Chris Reeve Superman film. Um, and obviously certain special effects haven't aged as well, you know, like the, 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 um, video screen effect yeah. that they did, but you got to think back to when they made them at the time, you know, they were groundbreaking. They, they designed new cameras, they designed new lenses, they designed yeah. new, um, you know, blue screen effects. And it's the same process with Star Wars as well. You know, you look at Star Wars and you see 
the visual effects in that those those films have aged very well, of course. But yeah, and then you look at Attack of the Clones in two thousand two, and it's I hate to bring it up, but you know <laughs> that the visual effects in the, that that movie have not aged well at all. And and but again, they they were on they they were creating new things at that time as well, like making like so, the, the I do I yeah I agree with you the those films aren't particularly good but from a from um I suppose CGI standpoint they're kind of groundbreaking mm. for their time yeah but yeah they don't, they don't look great now mm. <laughs> no not good but uh, I suppose um I suppose finally is it's, it's the the question that I was thinking of is if you could do a fan film based on in any other world or any other character who or what would it be um so I. This is a really tough one for me because I mean, if we take Batman out to uh, for one side, someone yeah. uh, once said to me because the one thing that people are surprised about is that there's no like rogue in this film. There's yeah. no uh, there's no Riddler, Two Face, which is uh, Joker. Yeah, it's one reason why I love it so much. Well, that's that's good. I'm 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 glad. Although I will say this, I did actually have an original uh, uh, original um, post credit scene. Where a, yeah. a a rogue was to appear, but oh. uh, I I decided not to go on that route. Well, first and foremost, because the actor I wanted wasn't available, sadly. But also, yeah. I just think it would have been too much as well. But um, it would have been Catwoman, basically. Um, okay. So I, I just thought her as a character would have fit in so well in in that world. Um, yeah, she would have. Yes, yeah, she she would have done. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe living in Crime Alley too. You never know. You never know. Um, but I think the big one that I would love to do, um, again, it would involve obviously quite a substantial amount of time and money, of course. But for yeah. me, I would love to tackle the Green Lantern Corps with John oh. Stewart. Um, for me, he is. Well, first and foremost, we need to rectify the awful Green Lantern movie. Uh, <laughs> so there is that. Um, secondly. Um, I think John Stewart Green Lantern is by far the superior Green Lantern out there, and yep. you know from the animated TV series to the comics, I just think he's the one that stands out to me. And it probably helps that you know he was the first Lantern I I saw on screen. And mm-hmm. for somebody of color, um, I'm a half Indian um, director who wants better representation on screen and for me i would find it incredibly refreshing to have um uh a black superhero like uh john stewart green lantern on the screen and i think if you took elements of obviously the green lantern core and you you know played it off like say the 2009 star trek film you know where it's all about you know learning the responsibilities of this power that you've been given, but also kind of have this young energetic feel and pace to it all. You know, yeah. I just, I, I think you could have a better intergalactic police adventure. Finally. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, I'm hoping they might go that route in the, you know, Warner Brothers might take that route. I don't know. I have no idea what they're doing with Green Lantern. I'm going to be honest. I know there's a series coming, but that's about that's about it really. Yeah, that's all I know either. So yeah. Um but I who, fingers crossed, you never know. I hope hopefully, hopefully one I think they're done with Hal Jordan. I'm gonna be I, I think that I think they're done with Hal. <laughs> yeah. He's done enough damage. Well, <laughs> yeah, he has. And hopefully Ryan Reynolds will never play him again. No, he'll stick to Deadpool, don't worry. He'll stick yeah. to Deadpool. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, uh, Rob. It's been really interesting learning more about fan films and actually just making films in general. It's something I'm very interested in. And um, I'm a big fan of DC Comics and therefore a big fan of Batman. And I think I'm, I've said it many times, but I think uh, Living in Crime Man is, is something that every Batman film, a Batman fan, DC Comics fan and just film fan should watch. I think, it, I think you created something genuinely special there. Thank you very much, Ed. I really, really appreciate that. And it's been a pleasure talking with you today. So there you have it. That was my interview with Rob, with the wonderful Rob. He was great to talk to, really interesting. It's brilliant getting to talk to someone that actually makes films as opposed to someone that just talks about them like I do. But please, I implore you to go and check out Living in Crime Alley on YouTube right now. It's wonderful. I also wrote about it on the site. You can find the article there. I'll put all those links in the description notes below this podcast episode. And once again, thank you to Rob. You don't always get to talk to people who actually go out there and make films. And it's really interesting to talk to those people just to see how difficult it is to do and just how passionate these people are about filmmaking and film in general. So thank you again to him. And thank you so much for listening. And that's it for this week. Uh, Hopefully next week I'll be back with uh, a more regular episode where I actually do go over uh, pop culture news and maybe do some reviews as well, some stuff. I mean, hopefully I'll get to do more of these in the future now that we're all in lockdown. And you can basically find us anywhere on social media. You can find, first off, you can find the the website, which is www.small-screen.co.uk for even more pop culture news, features and reviews. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at smallscreengb. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you back here sometime next week. Thanks. Goodbye.